Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! Stokes flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, this podcast in association with IG Trading and Investments. It's a glorious evening here in Manchester at the end of the first day of the fourth test uncharacteristically glorious and sunny for a a town, a city which is mostly associated with cloud and rain. And in fact, sun even stopped play today when it was glinting off the seats, putting off the Australian third wicket pair of Mars and Abishane and and Steve Smith. But I suppose overall, Simon, with Australia finishing the day on 299 for eight, given that they were put into bat Australia and it was a pretty good pitch, they will actually see this day as a, a day of missed opportunities, do you think? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Have they missed their opportunity or have they got enough runs in the bank with that weather forecast at the weekend? I'm just thinking ahead, you know, if we do get, and you mentioned that you know, Manchester can be associated with you know, rain gloom, if we do get the rain on Saturday and Sunday that's being forecast, which suggests we might not get any player on Saturday and possibly the same on Sunday, which might just knock out the back end of the test match, then... Australia will feel actually they, in, you know, in retrospect, they might have had a pretty good day today. On on balance, they've not had such a good day because they've got into good positions at times and players have got in and they've not been able to go on. Two hundred ninety nine for eight. England will will be happy enough with what they've come up with today. But you know, Ben Stokes sort of indicated at the toss he, he sort of put Australia in because of the weather forecast and it, you know, it helps England control the game. Possibly turns it into a three innings match. Well, that's what England would, would be hoping for. But the fact that Australia have got three hundred three hundred 
hundred plus means you know it's it's going to be quite tricky for England. They're going to have to really go for it in their first innings, really go hell for leather on the second day when they get their opportunity. That's what it seems to me anyway. It se- it does seem to me that they've you know they've looked at that forecast and said you know we've got to do something about it. We've got to move the game quickly in the early stages. It's it's unusual. I mean you don't often hear players talk about that. They normally say just control the controllables, but it, it looks as if they you know they've had a look at it and said right we've we've got to do something about this. So in a way you might say although you know traditionally you'd say Australia have not made the most of it today, but when you look back you know about three hundred for eight and the possibility of scoring I don't know three twenty they've still got Stark and Cummins there. Yeah they they might feel they've not come out this first day too badly in, in hindsight anyway we'll, we'll just see how have to see how it plays out really I suppose it's a bit like uh, looking at this test match a bit like a, a team in a one day match looking at the Duckworth Lewis and looking at the likelihood of rain at some point in a, in a run chase or towards the middle of a, a one day match and thinking well we're better off batting second because we know what we're chasing you, ne- you generally find when there's inclement weather around teams in one day cricket T20 cricket like to bat second because they can sort of plan their innings better whereas you sort of don't know what you're setting if you're batting first so I guess England have applied a little bit of that philosophy into this test match as I say uh, the Australians may be feeling that they have a, had a missed opportunity all the batters apart from one getting into double figures only Kawaja failing actually with a, with a score of three but other than that it was Warner 32 Labashain 51 Smith 41 Head 48 Mitchell Marsh 51 Green 16 and Alex Carey 20 uh, just missed just at the end there by Chris Wokes who had a, a great day so Australia nobody getting a really substantial score and they will I think they may look back at that and think why why did someone not kick on and get a 120 130 140 there was a, a few soft dismissals Labuschagne missed a pretty straight ball from Moen Alley turned a fraction but you know one that he could probably play in his sleep normally in the nets Steve Smith, LBW to Mark Wood, pinned on the back foot for a while, and then uh, a ball that sort of slipped up and, and fuller. What a sh- what a catch! I mean, of the kind of moments of the day, I suppose we'd pick out two. We'd pick out the the brilliant catch of Johnny Bairstow, one-handed, uh, when he was being sent the wrong way to get rid of Mitchell Marsh, and obviously Stuart Broad's 600th Test wicket. Yeah, it's a fantastic day for Stuart Broad. What what a time of it he's having I think he's been England's best bowler in, in, in this series consistently okay Wokes has done well hasn't he in the last couple of test matches you know bowl well at, at Leeds and, and Mark Wood has come in and just given England a bit of extra oomph but consistently across the series you know he, he's been the best bowler for England as Stuart Broad 600 test wickets you, you know you have to go back 16 years or 15 and a half years to his first test wicket I mean that's just a phenomenal long, longevity just to sort of keep going keep uh, running in and yeah getting the wicket of Travis head caught by Joe Root low down Travis head uh, falling into the trap I mean July 2020 took his 500th wicket and you know he was talking then about you know how many more he's got left and he, he thought you know, he, he speculated about the possibility of score, taking 600 but I don't think anyone seriously thought back in 2020 that he was going to take uh, 600 uh, test wickets and, and he's done it you know that was the covid year the the year when you know no one was able to watch it remember he had that that huge um well it was a bit of a strop wasn't it the, the first test match against uh, west indies when he was left out and he came roaring back and picked up a whole bag full of wickets and you know he's kept going and uh, still charging in so you know fantastic day uh, for him you know wonderful to join uh, jimmy anderson in the the 600 
a club, it, pace it, bowlers. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, funnily enough, it. Of course, the people have dubbed this uh, bowling attack for this test match, England's bowling attack, Dad's Army, because they're all uh, 33 or over, the seamers anyway, and I think it's the oldest England seam attack for 90-odd years. But yet the fathers, and they're all dads as well, aren't they? <laughs> They've all had kids, Brodie and Anderson, and uh, well, Brodie's a new dad, and Jimmy, of course, and, and Wood and, and Wokes. Uh, they're all familiar with, the, with the, the, the patter of little tiny feet at home, of course, uh, but they're still producing. I mean, Wokes today, four wickets. And, and going back to Broad, um, I, I was there actually the, the, the day he took his first test wicket in Colombo, and I remember his figures were something like one for a hundred off you know 30 overs and I remember him saying after that day's play actually uh, this is going to be tough uh, because when I was bowling uh, they flashed up when a new batter came in Mahela Jaiwardner they flashed up his scores to high scores 291 272 and Kumar Sangakkara high score 287 and so on and he, he, he said then it was a reality check one one wicket for a hundred on debut uh, was good, sort of was a forecast of a life of hard labour, so it's proved, but what rewards? 600 wickets, as you say, uh, now the only fast bowler other than Jimmy Anderson to have taken that many wickets, just three spinners uh, ahead of him. And it's, it's an incredible uh, performance of longevity, of adaption, of evolution, of desire, and, and obviously skill. Uh, you know, a, a, an amazing performance by a, a remarkable mm. cricketer. Yeah. The 36 overs, five maidens, one for 95 were his figures at the SSC uh, back in uh, 2007. And Sri Lanka made 548 for nine declared in 186.5 overs. It was probably about 38 degrees and 90% humidity as well. So, yeah, I mean, a, a, a tough start. And even much preferred bowling conditions that, that were on offer at Old Trafford today. There was just, what did you think, Yoz, with the pitch? What, what do you make of it? There was just enough in it, wasn't there, for the, the pace bowlers. And there was, as you say, there was a little bit in it for Moen Ali as well. So, you know, maybe Australia will get something out of it tomorrow with their pace dominant attack. What, what, how would you characterise this Old Trafford pitch? Yeah, actually, I thought it was a good cricket pitch. I thought it had plenty in it for the bowlers. I say plenty. Opportunity for the bowlers to get a bit of movement. Uh, there was enough carry. It wasn't as hard and fast as uh, a lot of Old Trafford wickets are. I think that was because I, I met a lady downstairs in the uh, media centre early on, and in the lift, actually, and she said, Oh, thank God for some sun. It's just lovely to see sun, she said. And I said, Oh, you had a bad few weeks here oh my god she said it's been terrible and um the, the definitely the weather has inhibited has hampered the pre preparation of this pitch not as quick as as some at old trafford but just enough carry mm. if the bowlers found the right length chris wokes was the one who i found i think utilized it best he got enough balls just full of a length the first wicket for instance david warner just a little bit fuller than the other bowlers had bowled inducing the drive and the edge and, and his other wickets, I mean, the, the, the best wicket of the day, undoubtedly, the brilliant delivery to, to Mitchell Marsh, which sort of angled in and seamed away. And a, an outstanding catch by Johnny Bairstow. And as we said at the start, this podcast uh, sponsored by IG Trading and Investments. And one of the things we've been mentioning all series is the uh, IG Net Gains Arena. And the whole point about IG Net Gains Fund is raising money for uh, posting nets, 
installing new net facilities around the country close to the major test match venues and trying to emphasise the benefit of net practice. And of course, Bearstow has spent you know, two or three days in the company of Brendan McCullum, head coach but also ex-wicketkeeper, and Joe Root at first slip trying to kind of iron out their little sort of problems that they've had during the series, the drop catches, the misunderstandings, not going for them and so on. And, well, dividends with that brilliant catch by Johnny Bairstow starting to go the wrong way down the leg side and then having to double up and dive across in front of Root because the ball wouldn't have carried and just taking it in the palm of his hand. He really enjoyed that, didn't he? Oh, yeah, a great moment for him. And I think you know, anybody that's seen him struggle throughout the series... It would, you know, it would sort of, you have a sort of that feeling of, you know, joy for him really, a sort of human fellow feeling really that he he was able to take a catch like that. It was a big moment. I thought Mitch Marsh played really well again. He came out and counter attacked. Australia were one eight nine for five, and he came together with with Green. And I just thought he struck the ball so cleanly. The confidence given to him by his hundred in that last uh, Test match, you know, clearly showing in his batting today, and uh, you know, nicked off and, and Bairstow produced something absolutely special. It was, a, it was quite similar. If anyone's not seen it, it was quite similar to the catch he took in the first Test match at Edgbaston when he went away to his right and scooped one up in Australia's first innings. There, it was it was very similar to that, uh, and. Uh, it won't uh, quell the doubters who, who, who will say, you know, he, he shouldn't be keeping wicket for England, he, you know, we sh- that Ben Folk should be keeping wicket for England. But what it did do was, I think, give a tremendous lift to his confidence. It gave a great lift to England as well because they, you know, they needed those wickets. They needed to work through Australia's batting in this test match pretty pretty darn quickly if they, you know, to give themselves a chance to get in a winning position in the game, you know, with, with the potential, of, you know, for limited time. Yeah, so uh, excellent for. Johnny Bess. There were a few balls went there in the morning session when he was dropping the ball. He got one on the end of the finger, and he thought, oh, you know, his his whole sort of alignment just doesn't look quite right. Uh, but you know, a moment like that can can just lift a, a cricketer's confidence. I, you know, the question is now, can he actually transform it into his batting? Because you know, England are going to need to score uh, briskly tomorrow. Uh, when they get their opportunity, you know, they it, it is this weird situation where you feel they're they're battling the weather. And, you know, what will probably happen is that you know Saturday and Sunday will be dry and you know or not that much play lost. Uh, Here's hoping anyway, and that you know the game can take its its natural course. I mean, sometimes you think, oh yeah, the, the weather's going to really intervene and cause a lot of problems, and it doesn't. But it, it does look quite. Um, Definitive that that weather forecast. So that that's what England are, are battling against. What about um, Jimmy Anderson today, uh, Yoz? Uh, steady but no wicket. Seventeen overs, four maidens, not for forty-three. The tightest of the England bowlers, but the least successful. Still only three wickets in the series. Very interesting uh, question. In fact, interestingly, for the first time in, in memory, Stuart Broad opened the bowling with Anderson in the team. Stuart Broad took the first over. And I, I have, don't recall seeing that before. That happens, obviously, when second new balls are taken and so on. But the first over of a match is almost invariably bowled by Anderson if he's playing. And today, the first over of the match bowled by Broad. Anderson bowled the second over from his end, the Jimmy Anderson end. I actually thought he bowled decently today. I thought he bowled with a bit more uh, you know, penetration, potential penetration. But what I would say is... That outswinger to the right-handers, which was his calling card for so long, is still not really there. What what he was so 
uh, demonic with, what he was so dangerous with, was the way he ran into bowl and angled the ball into a right-hander and then made it whip away through the air, causing the batsman to play, often sometimes causing the batsman to try and work the ball into the leg side because they thought it was angling towards the leg side. And then just making that ball swing late and take the edge or take out the off stump or whatever. Those really waspish deliveries, just not there anymore. Uh, but he bowled very respectably today. He beat the bat. He was unlucky. A couple of times, edges fell short. I think it's just, it's not going his way. Uh, he probably needs a bit of luck. But, uh, you know, that, that there is that kind of, that lacking in that cutting edge, which perhaps, you know, he, over, you know, the years have just eaten away at that beautiful wrist release and lovely biorhythms that create that, that, late swing and the torque on the ball that you can add with the backspin and so on. I mean, swing is a fickle art. It's very difficult to, to, to predict when it will uh, occur, when it will disappear. Uh, it's elusive. Um, I just feel that he hasn't quite got that uh, ability to swing the ball as late as he used to. But, you know, still a, a very decent bowler and he may well pick up wickets in the second innings. Of course, ironically, he's not on the honours board here uh, at Old Trafford's home ground. He has never taken a fiver in a test match, which is a shame. And he won't be taking one in this innings. So he's got one more innings, perhaps, uh, in this match to get, get on the honours board. Yeah, he takes his wickets at 22 at Old Trafford, so not a bad uh, record. That, you know, he's got. There, there were there were moments for him, weren't there? there were a couple of plays and misses from Travis Head outside the off stump where he, he tried to crash him through the offside and missed, and there was a sort of rueful look from Jimmy Anderson. And then when he took the second new ball just before the close, I noticed actually his first ball uh, with the second new ball was 77 miles per hour. Anyway, he cranked it up a little bit more than they got into the 80s after that. And M- M- Mitchell Stark, who who held England up, got inside edge past his leg stump, and there was a sort of rueful grin from Anderson as if to say, "Yeah." That that's how it's going for me at the moment you know if it's going my way you know that crashes into the leg stump or whatever but anyway it didn't it went away uh, for four runs so Anderson 17 overs four mains no wicket for 43 uh, Chris Wokes the, the bowl of the day for England today uh, four for 52 you, you mentioned the ball turned a bit uh, Yoz Moen Ali got the wicket of, of Labuschagne which is a, you know, a bit, oh, it's always a big moment uh, in a test match when you get rid of Labuschagne because he, he really sort of dug in today didn't he and, and sort of tried to grind England down uh, I mean do you think the ball's going to turn a lot and, and you know if the game does go its distance do you think Australia have made a mistake in not playing a, a frontline spinner or was it actually when you look at it weather forecast plus the you know, what those batters give to the, that Australia middle order I think Marsh and Green actually just just for this game that they've got it right well, they haven't played a, uh, it's the first time they haven't played a spinner in a test match since 2012, I think, which is a, incredible in, in its, in its own, on its own uh, as a stat. But I, I don't think that it will matter that much without Nathan Lyon, uh, who obviously was, was never going to play uh, because he, he's, he's out of the series. I don't think that it'll matter that much to them, especially it's a shortened game. Travis Head can do a, a decent job as a spinner. I, I don't think there was a role for, for Todd Murphy in this game, given the, the, you know, the weather forecast. So I, I don't think they've got it wrong, particularly. They might like have, to have a spinner if England uh, are going on the rampage in the, on the second day, but they've got enough firepower in their uh, fast bowling ranks to, to cover, cover off the lack of a, of a spinner. 
I'm just talking of kind of classic uh, performances here at Old Trafford, uh, we're doing a, a running a series in association with our sponsors IG on the, the great classic moments at the different grounds, which of course are repeated in the IG Net Gains Arena, where you can face some of the great deliveries uh, down the years from the Ashes. I noticed uh, both Nasser Hussain and Mark Butcher have been having a go in the IG Net Gains Arena, facing balls like the ball of the century and the great delivery from uh, Steve Harmison that bowled out Michael Clark in 2005 and Graham Swan knocking over Ricky Ponting in, in 2009 through the gate. And neither NASA nor Mark Butcher covered themselves in glory in the Net Gains Arena, but it was good of them to, to have a go. NASA <laughs> batting in his jacket uh, was quite amusing. If you go to the IG.com, uh, or the IG uh, Twitter feed, you'll see those uh, video clips, they're quite amusing. But on the subject of great performances at Old Trafford, we can't uh, finish this podcast without relaying back the, the, the moment in 1981, which was the last time actually that England won a test match against Australia here at Old Trafford. Of course it was inspired by Ian Botham's brilliant 118. and. Uh, a few weeks ago, I caught up with, with Beefy, talking, uh, looking back at the 1981 Ashes, which of course became known as Botham's Ashes, with good reason, because in the, in the, the third test at Headingley, he scored that amazing 149 not out. In the, the next test, he took five for one. And then in this test match at Old Trafford, he came in in the second innings and blitzed a brilliant 118. And here he just reflects on that innings and actually the important role played by his partner, out there in the middle, Chris Tavare. I got out first ball first innings, so I sat up there and uh, and then we went out to bat and Tav was in when I got out there and Tav outscored me for the first hour and comfortably. And I, I love batting with Tav. I, I, he never got the recognition he deserved. Uh, I think he was he should have played more Test cricket and certainly more One Day cricket because he was a fantastic One Day player. And anyway, I was out there with Tav, and we just—I uh, just said I'm going to play, and you know we'll just play now, settle in. And we had about I don't know 12, 15 overs to the new ball, something like that. Maybe not, not that many. I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, played, knocked it around. He outscored me comfortably, and then uh, the new ball came. And then in my head, it's new ball on a wicket like this. It's pretty dead, and I thought, well, it's time to attack. Because the, you know, the red ball, you know, the hard ball will go further. When you have the softer ball, it doesn't go so far. And uh, it came off. It came off and it, the ball flew. Uh, uh, probably the click, some of the cleanest hitting, consistent hitting in one innings for me. Anyway, certainly. And, and Tab was merrily going along the other end. And they're basically feeding me the strike, uh, which was great. And, uh, and Dennis DK came in and bouncing and that put him into the railway station. I enjoyed that one. I do remind him of that when I see him. But uh, no, we had a great, you know, I had some great contests with him, but that was, uh, I definitely won that day. He got me out, I think, first innings for North. I think he was bowling, probably. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was a great contest. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. 
Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And just to give some context to those people who don't remember 1981, because no, not everybody remembers uh, 1981. It was the fifth test match. England made 2-3-1. Australia then were bowled out for 130. But England were 104 for five uh, when Ian Botham came in and he just played that amazing innings on the Saturday and he was hooking Dennis Lilly off his eyebrows into the crowd at, at fine leg and England went on to, to win the game. Actually, Australia played pretty well. They made 400 in their second innings, but England had set them a, a mammoth target uh, to win the game over 500. So England won the game by 103 runs and went on to win the Ashes. Australia, yours are in the box seat here. They're 2-1 they're up. The, the weather seems to be in their favour. They've got basically 300 runs in the bank on the, on the first day. So what, what are you expecting from England on the second? <laughs> <laughs> what a question that is. Um, well, I, I'm expecting explosive batting. Um, they're they're going to be short of time. So as soon as they can finish off the Australian innings, they're going to get batting. And uh, it's a nice pitch to bat on. Uh, it, it, there will be a bid in it for the faster bowlers. I think Stark, remember, I think Stark hit uh, Owen Morgan on the head here in a one-day international a few years ago. And he will make it fly through of course Pat Cummins as well uh, will we'll bowl well on here so it won't be easy for England but I'm I'm, I'm actually convinced they'll be very very positive and th- their target will be 400 in a day minimum maybe more uh, so uh, you know 100 run lead by the end of the day I can see it being a bit like uh, Edgebaston 2005 where England came out all guns blazing I mean obviously they're going to need to be smart because the Australians are going to expect them to be aggressive uh, and so there will be some boundary fielders and so on I, it, I think it's going to be exciting I, I, I'm really looking forward to it actually I, mm. I, I can't see how England can, can really do it any other way can you? Not not really well I think so that's how they've they've set themselves up in this game uh, so you, you, you imagine they're going to have to go for it tomorrow but I mean it's not going to be easy Australia have got a pretty decent attack haven't they they've, they've basically got a five man attack five man pace attack so they've got lots of options they can go to Travis Head you know, if necessary for, for some spin as well so you know good, good luck scoring 400 on this surface against this Australian attack tomorrow but it's, it, it sort of feels like that's what they've got to do if, 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 if in their own mind they have got this race against time and it is that unknown about the weather forecast it, you know it's, it's bizarre really I mean it wouldn't have happened earlier in the series okay England would have played positively but because of the necessity because of the weather where they are the, the, you know, the difficult situation they're in in the series I, I think you know they, they've probably got to do it in a way that's why I sort of felt that you know, Australia haven't had that bad a day, even though they've got lots of players who got in. You know, they they really could have nailed the game down. I mean, they could you know, they could have been, you know, in theory, three hundred and twenty for five at the close, and then it then it really is uh, good luck. I just I just think I I think England allowed Australia to get away a bit in the morning session. They had a, they had a good morning, Australia. I thought put into about one hundred and seven for two. 
You know, there were, there were, I think there were lots of buys, uh, and England just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't control the game very well. And gradually, as the day went on, they, they controlled it. But I, I sort of felt that England had to have Australia sort of eighty for four at lunch, and then probably try to bowl them out for about two thirty maximum, something like that. I know that's an ideal world. It wasn't easy to do in these conditions on that pitch uh, today. But I, I, I felt that you know that would have helped them a lot in their mission to do what they're trying to do which is what they're basically trying to do to Australia what they did to South Africa last year in that game South Africa at Old Trafford 1-5-1 bowled out in the first innings England made 415 and then bowled South Africa out for 179 and won by an inside three days I mean that is sort of England's template I mean it's pretty ambitious against this Australian side that South African batting side wasn't particularly good so that that's sort of the challenge ahead for them uh, tomorrow I can see it being fraught with danger as well it, it might be that they, they fall in a heap and you know, get bowled out for 210 or something or 160 or whatever and then it is you know it really is good luck um it's, it's a shame that weather forecast because it, it it's it's skewed the game a bit um but you know it's sort of it's we're in that sort of must needs uh, situation england has shown that they're prepared to you know be bold and try to gamble haven't they in the series and so i presume that's that's what we're going to see from them tomorrow it's fascinating to see how it pans out yeah it, it absolutely is and, and i you know i hope that actually the weather doesn't intervene but i guess you know they have to kind of think of that in the background uh, because this is a, a must-win game maybe they need they need a bit of inspiration from beefy don't they and that 118 that he played here in 1981 actually was the, probably the one of the best innings he's ever played it, it was a, a cult innings and there were some magnificent shots towards the end of it as well lofted drives long on uh, against uh, the, the class of uh, Terry Alderman and Dennis Lilly hitting them over the long on boundary for six uh, top edge hooking or you know, clean hooking Dennis Lilly off his eyebrows no helmet of course into the pavilion into the old pavilion for six and it was a, a memorable day England will need to reproduce some of that kind of heroics I think to be able to come out of that with a with a victory but of this match with a victory but they have made a, a decent fist of it today I think that last wicket actually of Alex Carey was important just in that last 15 minutes to take one of the sort of decent Australian batters so that they're now bowling pretty much at the tail enders and could hope to polish them off for 25 runs or so and get batting is is the best they could hope actually given that the excellent conditions batting conditions today so we'll be back tomorrow to review the second day's play from Old Trafford and let's hope England can really get batting early in the day and get uh, their foot on the gas see you tomorrow Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply